Under the Tartan Sky, episode 38, produced 2 April 2017. Traveling to a foreign land often carries with it the concern of, will I be able to communicate? Do the people speak the same language? For Americans and many others from around the world where English is a common language, traveling to Scotland is not of particular concern, as they do speak English there. While, of course, there are indeed differences in spelling and terminologies. Lift for elevator, loo for the restroom, torch for flashlight, and so on. In fact, there are three languages spoken in Scotland, English, Gaelic, and Scots. Yes, Scots is a language, though gaining fluency in it can be difficult and compounded by the fact that it's spoken in different dialects depending on the region of the country where you find yourself. I'm Glenn Moyer, and Scots is not often easily understood by outlanders, and that's where our story begins, when the Tartan Witch, who speaks the language of Scots, pays us a visit here under the tartan sky. History, heritage, archaeology. In 2017, Scotland invites you to peer into the mists. Scotland's history is a long and rich one, filled with stories of legends and myths. Its heritage can be found in fields of standing stones and the ruins of castles that once were clan strongholds. Through the science of archaeology, new discoveries of ruins and artefacts are continuously being made, but often reveal tantalising new clues to stories yet untold. In 2017, more than 50 events are planned built around nine major festivals, as Scotland invites visitors and locals alike to come face to face with the past. Great legends have been made throughout Scotland's history. What story will you write when you visit Scotland in the year of history? Heritage and Archaeology. Scots is one of three indigenous languages in Scotland. It is the language of Robert Burns. And while a sister language to English, it borrows many words from other languages, has words uniquely its own, like glacet, blether, mawket, geed, and is further complicated by the four main and many sub-dialects spoken across Scotland. Once mocked, discredited, and even considered vulgar, today Scots is gaining a new level of respect and support especially within the Scottish school system, spurred by the Scottish government, following the publication of its Scots language policy in 2015. As many as 1.5 million Scots identify themselves as Scots speakers, yet it wasn't all that long ago that Scots was the language children spoke on the playground, not daring to utter it in the classroom where only proper English was allowed. The new policy seeks to reverse that attitude, though, through many steps, including that Education Scotland adopts trilingual corporate signage using English, Gaelic, and Scots. 
There is the development of the Scots Language Ambassador Scheme, wherein famous Scots will become public champions of the language, and of course, there is the teaching of Scots in schools. Greta York is a retired teacher, a kindergarten teacher she'd be called here in the States, and with her friend Maggie Bolton, an illustrator, she is the author of a recent new children's book that she hopes will be adopted for use in schools to help teach children the Scots language. Her book, The Tartan Witch, is a simple tale of a wee coven of witches, all of whom speak English, who find themselves in a quandary as they are expecting a visit from the Tartan Witch, who of course speaks Scots resulting in the classic failure to communicate. The story is written in both English and Scots, and as all children's books should, ends in a very modern-day form of everyone living happily ever after. This is York's third children's book, but neither she or Bolton set out in life to become a writer. Indeed, York left school herself at an early age with only minimal education. I left school with only two O-levels, which was all I required to become a nursery nurse. And I always enjoyed working with children. So I left school at 16 and I did that training. And then I was a sick children's nurse before marrying and having my own family. And it wasn't till my third daughter, Kelly, was doing her hires at school and doing higher English. I thought, I think I could do that. I'd like to do that. So I went to back to school and I did higher English. And then I got three more hires and went to university. And when I was at university, I started to write just for me and I enjoyed enjoyed the reaction I got to my poetry. But I hadn't considered children's writing until I joined Air Writers Club. Which is where we both met. Which is where I met Maggie. And that's where I developed my writing skills now, um, for those of us in the United States, when you say you left school with two O-levels, what does that relate to here? Because I, I'm not <laughs> sure I follow you there. Well, it's it, it's not very much. It's very, very minimum. It's kind of basic. In Scotland, when I was at school, we did O-levels, and then you went on to do hires. And with hires, invariably, you went to university if you left with O-levels, well, you wouldn't go to university. You might go to college, which was what I did. But I can't imagine what the American equivalent is. Well, they said the age is about uh, 15, 16. 16, yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that yeah, that would equate then to about what we would call, I guess, junior high uh, or middle school. Yep, right. Because we have, we have elementary or primary school when you're from about six years old till 12. And then you go to middle school, or what we refer to often here as junior high, and that's from 13 to about 16. And then you go to yeah. high school and eventually graduate high school at the age of about 18. But you have to have graduated from high school in order to go on to um, college or university. So. Uh, yeah, similar, similar then, similar yeah. system, I think. So then, so your two O levels would equate to about what about middle school education then? It will do. The, the important thing was one was in English and one was in arithmetic, which were good <laughs> ones to get. <laughs> your first story, obviously, you say you did some writing in university, but let me rephrase it. I guess perhaps your first book was titled. The Witch Hitch, and the newest one, of course, that we're going to talk about specifically is The Tartan Witch. And from that, 
my first assumption was, well, clearly this lady whom I've never met has some fascination <laughs> with witches and, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that sort of thing. But as we did some research and chatted prior to recording this, the witch hitch and tartan witch too were actually kind of inspired by a bit of fate, a, a simple little prize that you won in a school drawing. My class um, was involved in a school sale, a, a fair, a, a spring fair, I think it was. And as a raffle prize, I won this lovely little green witch. And she was beautifully knitted by one of the grannies of the children in my class. And uh, I thought, mm, this is a lovely witch, but I wonder if I could use this as a teaching aid. And I asked if the granny would knit me nine more witches because we were doing counting up to ten and down from 10, and I thought 10 little witches would be super. And this lady kindly knitted another nine witches, and when they came, they were all different colours. So there was another another avenue for learning there. Not just did we have, have number, we had colour as well. Was there thought immediately that there was perhaps a, um, a children's story to be told here, or was this at that point primarily just a, an, an educational a teaching tool? Originally, it was a teaching tool, but I realized that there was definitely potential for a story here because the witches were so colorful and the children, I'm sure the children would react better to a story that had rhyme and repetition and they would soon catch on as they did, in fact, because when I read it to them, of course, there was no illustration or anything. It was just plain text that I was reading. And before long, I realized they were joining in and I thought, "Mm, this is good. (laughs) <laughs> and um, they enjoyed it. And, and this was what age children that you were teaching at the time? This is four, four or five, four, four or five years old. If the witches had all come the same color, do you think Witch Hitch and the Tartan Witch would have evolved <laughs> from that? Or or was the, the fact that they all arrived in different colors, was that a bit of fate as well in the development of your writing story? Oh, I think it definitely was fate. If I had 10 little green witches, that might have been a different story. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if that would have prompted a story, but the colorful witches certainly did. That story that you developed as a teaching tool went on to, obviously, you were saying it won you a prize in the uh, Scottish Association of Writers competition, and it was well received by the children. Um, Did that early success as a children's writer surprise you at any? Oh, yes, absolutely. I was absolutely shocked at the Scottish Association of Writers conference because it was my first time visiting the conference, and I didn't realize that When you win a prize, you have to stand up in front of all these people and read your story. (laughs) (laughs) So it was quite an experience and it was a great surprise to me, yes. And and Maggie, the two of you are friends and and you were both teachers. Um, Yes. uh, Were you teaching in the same school or did you just simply have an association because of your background or your involvement as teachers at the time? No, we, uh, we met at the Writers Club in Ayr. Um, and the fact that we were both teachers was just coincidence. Really. Uh-huh. In fact, there's quite a few teachers in the writers. A lot of teachers seem to turn to writing. And we found that we had quite similar tastes, similar interests, and it kind of went from there. I've done a lot of, uh, well, I've exhibited quite a lot as a, as a painter and as a, an artist, but I hadn't done any illustration. It was Greta that prompted me into doing this in the first place. 
Well, and I was, I was quite reluctant. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, was there a certain amount of collaboration early on as you were developing the witch hitch story, uh, Greta, to involve uh, Maggie in, in putting it all together and creating a book from it? Oh, yes, there certainly was a lot of collaboration. <laughs> she waved a big stick behind me quite a lot of the time. <laughs> well, Maggie, you, you just said you were a bit reluctant. Why was that? Because uh, painting, you know, an individual from your own heart painting is not the same as illustrating something out of someone else's head. It's a different ball game entirely. Uh, plus the fact that, you know, you're not only to produce the same character uh, again and again and again and have them recognizable. Of course, in this instance, it wasn't one character, it was ten. Uh, so you have to make all these little little characters recognizable with or without their color. So you, you have to be able to continue the the characterization of them right the way through the book, which is it's a different skill, I would say. It is. I have to say, Glenn, that when I saw Red Witch, Red Witch was the first witch that I saw. She was exactly as I imagined her to be, which was wonderful, I thought. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask about that because, in Greta, uh, I'm sorry, Maggie, you just touched on the, the difficulty of bringing someone else's character to life. Yes, um, yes. I, I wanted to ask about that process because I know um, I've read with regard to the great success of uh, the television program Outlander from the books, of course. And I remember <laughs> reading that Diana Gabaldon uh, was not at all impressed in initially with um, uh, Sam Hugan, who was tabbed to play Jamie Frazier. Yeah. And uh, that, yeah. you know, he looked nothing like she imagined her character to be. So take me through a little bit of that process between the two of you in in how you developed the characters um, in your mind, Greta, and then Maggie, how you were able to take them and illustrate them, and the two of you come together, and and as you said just a moment ago, Greta, that when you saw Red Witch, she was exactly what you thought Red Witch would be. That has to be very a very difficult process. I guess it's because we're on the same wavelength, I suppose. Um, how uh, we started out with the process, Greta would send me the text, just as the text, and, you know, for a picture book, you have to divide it up into double page spreads, 12 double page spreads as usual. So I had to divide up her story so that on each double page spread, you had something different, something interesting happening. And as I was doing this in my mind, I'm, I'm trying to do little sketches, very, very rough sketches of what I think the characters will look like. And I'll keep showing them to Greta and she'll say, yes, but I don't like that bit. And uh, yes, that's just what I want or whatever. Or she'll make little suggestions to, uh, to alter things. But basically, you let me get on with it, really, didn't you? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We had lots of coffee meetings. We did, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, I would have thought you said lots of tea meetings. I didn't think you were into oh, the coffee. Oh, well, we do there. both. Okay. Well, we do both, yeah. Maggie, you were already, uh, as you said, you were already an exhibiting artist. What type of art were you doing prior to this, and, and what led you into the illustration field? Well, it, it's um, something I've always wanted to do. And in fact, I did begin to do a correspondence course, but which I wasn't able to complete at the time due to family situation. But uh, that's when I, I realized that there was a whole lot more to it than I had originally thought. 
But it's something I had always wanted to do to illustrate my own uh, children's stories as well. But I had never actually had the bravery to do it. And if it hadn't been for Greta, I don't think I would have done. So I have a lot to, to thank her for. And, and I should mention that you you are a writer as well. We've mentioned you met at a yes. writer's club. So obviously the, the two of you are both, uh, yes. both writers. You also are doing illustration. And you were a painter. Is it difficult to transition to illustrating for children? And does your background as a teacher help you to find a basis on which to relate the illustrations? Oh, I think the teaching aspect helps enormously. You switch on to what children pick up on. Uh, I like to have something in the illustration which will make them laugh, uh, something that they can that's that they can talk about. If you're thinking for small children, they're either being read to by their parents or their grannies or their teacher, and they want to talk about the pictures. You want to have a lot in there of interest. I can't stand these cutesy ones with the big fluffy eyelashes and things. Can't be doing that. I like something that's worth looking at. So the characters then, if I'm correct, uh, Greta, the, the characters of Red Witch, Blue Witch, Pink Witch, Yellow Witch, and I'm going to forget the other colors, purple, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) (laughs) Those were all created uh, as a result of the prize that you won and created for uh, your original story, Witch Hitch. Tartan Witch was not a part of that group initially. Is that correct? That's right. Tartan Witch hadn't even been thought about. (laughs) Okay. So so Tartan Witch, which is the, the book I want to talk about specifically, tell me how Tartan Witch came about. What spurred that inspiration? Well, I, I knew that the Scottish executive here were, was pushing Scots language in schools. And in fact, I've got the brief here that the Scottish, the Curriculum for Excellence Say a quote. I quote this: "says recognises Scots as being an integral part of the curriculum. Scots adds to Scotland's rich diversity of language and can help develop and improve literary skills. And it's valuing the languages which children bring to school. So, with that in mind, I was talking to a neighbour, and she was talking about which hitch, and she said, "Are you going to do another one?" And I said, "Well, I would like to do one." that focused on Scot on Scots language. And she at that time was having an exhibition at the Mitchell Gallery in Glasgow about all about Tartan. And she said, Oh, you could maybe bring some Tartan into it. And that was it. Tartan Witch. <laughs> that was all I needed. Well, you're both teachers. Um and I know from an earlier podcast episode that I did with some folks connected to um the uh the Scots dictionary that there was a time in Scottish education when Scots language was not very well thought of it was not promoted and and children who spoke Scots at school were often reprimanded to speak proper English um and so this directive is something of a change from that were you surprised at that and and how do you see the, how has that changed education there from a teacher's standpoint do you think well it certainly is it's a, it's a big change because when i was at school um you definitely were not encouraged to speak scots at all and when i taught in an ayrshire school it was a country school and even I, I was born in Dunoon, and the, 
the words I knew as a child in Janoon were different entirely from the words that I heard in Ayrshire when I came here and it was ken this and ken that <laughs> and this was a whole new language to me but when I went to teach in New Cumnock I one day the, the children were saying I, I was asking the children who was going in the uh, going home and how they were getting home and these children told me they were going in the break and I hadn't a clue what a break was but the break in East Ayrshire is the bus <laughs> so it was a learning a learning experience mm. for me and I never fail to be amazed at how the children speak in dialect at home and yet when they come into school, it's more or less English that is spoken, but it's accepted now in the mm. classroom. If they want to speak as they speak at home, that's okay. And Maggie, was, was your experience similar to that? Well, having taught throughout the UK, I think you'll find that the same sort of thing in particularly rural areas is the same. You go into Derbyshire and children will talk about, I remember one little girl <laughs> saying that she came in crying and said she got a tabby ache. I thought she said tummy ache, but no, it was a tabby ache. Her tabbies are her ears. Oh. <laughs> so you have to learn all these little words for different areas. But I, I, I remember at school there would be a language that you spoke in the playground and the language that you spoke in the classroom, mm. and you knew what the difference was. You knew where you could speak what. But uh, I think if you think about uh, the Scots language, I mean, the poet Burns has been recognised for a long while. It seems ridiculous that they were not listening to other people speaking the same way. I don't see why why they shouldn't distinguish them. Well, and that was one of the things, honestly, that attracted me to the story of the Tartan Witch and the book was it was the first one that I had seen that is done in both um, English, proper English, if you will, and Scots. Um, and, and as one in my position, having grown up in the United States, but now very much wanting to move to and make Scotland my home, I'm very intrigued with the Scots language. I have a few friends online. When I'm posting on social media, I'll write in my very limited Scots uh, dialect. <laughs> I'm beginning to use uh, certain um, Scots words, and, and so I'm being taught or tutored, if you will, by some friends online in some various phrases and terminology. Um, some good, some <laughs> not so good. <laughs> I hope um, they've not been leading you up the garden path here. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Teaching you rude words. <laughs> uh, I, 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 they, I've certainly had a few of them shared with me, but I, I, as they said, it's only in case when you get to Scotland, someone throws one of these at you, you'll know what they're saying. Um, so right. I'm trying not to learn them, uh, certainly for use. Um, <laughs> but that was something that, that really attracted me. Now, I, I guess I've been told Tartan Witch is not the first book to be done this way. Um, but I do find it an interesting teaching tool. And, and you were saying that you hope that perhaps the book will be adopted as some, as a part of an official curriculum, um, in order to help nice. with the teaching of, of Scots and English. I think so because uh, Maggie and I go to go to schools and uh, we have book events where we do where we read and uh, it, the book has been very well received by the children. They love it. Well, and I wanted to talk a bit about that because the Scots language is really the storyline of the Tartan Witch. The storyline is, and sorry, folks, here's a spoiler. Um, the storyline is the Tartan Witch obviously speaks in Scots and the other witches can't 
understand her. And, and that's essentially the, the genesis of the story. Um, how did you come about with that? Was that part of, was that a re- reaction to the government directive or was this something just creatively that you came upon? Well, we had, we had, I had to think of a way in which it, that people would understand that the children and maybe children that went to Scots children would also be able to enjoy and understand the story. And we wondered if we would maybe read a couple of pages for you the way that we read it at events. That would be lovely, yes. Right. Well, this is a snippet from Tartan Rich. Anyway, I was just spreading a jelly piece instead. Anyway, I was just spreading a jam sandwich instead. When there was a rift, Stushy. When there was a terrible commotion. And a muckle corby fell down the lum. And an enormous crow fell down the chimney. The cat hunted the mocket thing all round the house and there was stew everywhere. The cat chased the dirty thing all round the house and there was sooty dust everywhere. The whole place was manky. The whole place was filthy. Keep your head, I says to myself. Keep calm, I told myself. I read up, had the jelly piece and went to my bed, fair wabbit. I tidied up, ate my jam sandwich and went to bed very tired. There you are. <laughs> that is, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Far better than I could have done. And, and I thought of actually trying to do a bit of that. So I'm glad that you volunteered that. <laughs> I'm afraid I, I would have murdered the Scots. Now, in the book, as you were saying, Maggie, this is is it's all uh, illustrated and set in basically a two page, what we call a two page spread in the publication business. Yeah. Um, and so you see, um, and there'll be some pictures of this in uh, in our blog post on the website, so that listeners will be able to take a look at it. But you see um, the text in uh, Scots, and you see it in. English, so it's possible to read it in either and or both. In my case, I loved it because I was able to read the Scots and go, "Okay, I think I know what she's saying there." But then I was able <laughs> to to make sure, knowing what a, a jelly piece as opposed to a jam sandwich is, I suppose, um, and, and things like that. Um, I learned some words too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it was brilliant, and and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. It's a very obviously, it's a very simple story for children. I guess in the uh, the way that you guys break down uh, children's books, I think it's called what under sevens, so seven year olds and and yeah. under. Yeah. Yes, probably that. Yes. The book has been self published, as was Witch Hitch. Are you surprised? Are you disappointed that? Um, as you said, with Witch Hitch, and, and I'm not sure about Tartan Witch, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, that you submitted it to a number of publications, um, publishing houses, and they all like the story, but it, it hasn't sold yet to a publisher. So you were able to do self-publishing, which is quite popular these days, and that's not to, to diss the book in any way. Um, but are you, uh, are you still seeking uh, a publishing deal, and would you like to see that, or are you happy with self-publishing? I, I'm not. I'm not seeking a. I'm not putting books out anymore to publishers. Not just now. No, I think publishers are struggling at present um, in the financial climate that we find mm-hmm. ourselves in just now, mm-hmm. and they're snowed under with submissions. So um, I, I haven't. I didn't send Tartan much anywhere because we we found we were having enough. Well, not enough success, but we were having success <laughs> with Witch Hitch and yeah. with the Woo in the Wildwoods. So um, I haven't sent it anywhere else. 
the storyline, uh, take us through that very quickly on, on Tartan, which we've talked about how uh, basically Tartan, which speaks Scots and the other witches don't understand it. Um, but give me a brief synopsis of the storyline of the book. Well, the, the witches are all in a, in a quandary as to, and feeling down because Tartan Witch is coming because they do quite like her, but they just don't know what she's saying. So they decide to make a spell to, so they would understand what she was saying. And in that spell, they used some, some ingredients that were specifically Scottish and some ingredients that were specifically English. And I did that, a, hopefully that there would be lots of interaction with children when you're reading to them that they would ask why that was. And um, it was to make them aware of the cultural differences, perhaps, between England and Scotland. And uh, Maggie has beautifully illustrated <laughs> all these ingredients. And uh, it works. When Tartan Witch comes, the witches can hear exactly what she's saying. And they have a nice, she tells them all about her journey. She has a horrendous journey getting to, to, the, to visit the witches. And in the end, she brings them all the presents, which is colour coordinated to suit each witch. The right and, tartan. And the okay. correct tartan. They all have they find that they all have a tartan and they all have a present and they um take a fantastic photograph at the end where they're all smiling and everybody's happy. <laughs> well, I, I want to tell you, you, you jumped ahead of me a bit there, but that's okay, because I, I was going to make a point of saying that while the book is written for children, there is a certain amount of adult, um, what I consider to be adult subtlety there, or maybe I just read like a child, because the oh. in, the the use of the, as you said, distinctly Scottish versus English ingredients in the spell I immediately tuned into that. Um, certainly, I guess, on the one hand, because as an adult and one who's very interested in Scotland, I'm very attuned to uh, the politics of the day and and what's going on, the friction in some cases between Scotland and England. Um, but I was going to ask about that because um, I didn't think of it as a teaching tool, but I like the idea now that you've explained it. Um, because it, well, I was you also reading, have to remember that you sell picture books to the adults who are going to read them. Ah. You want to give them something to to like about it as well. If it's too childish, it's not pleasant to read. That's very true. It, it is. It's the adult parent yeah. who buys the book for the child, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, it was interesting because as I was reading, started reading that section and the, the witches are casting a spell, you know, you, the ingredients were not the eye of newt and things that I'm familiar with <laughs> from my own, I guess, childhood literature. There was down of thistle, uh, essence of haggis, scale of monster, Nessie, of course, flake of porridge, all, as you say, decidedly Scottish events or Scottish elements. Then there's thorn of rose. Uh, hair of the bulldog, an English bulldog, I would say, uh, and tooth of a lion, all of those things very English. Um, I think it's brilliant that you brought that bit of subtlety into it. And, and as you say, the children respond to that and understand the cultural differences that represents? Well, they do when they, if they, and they do ask when we are, when we're reading yeah. to them, we point that out to them. We ask them, do you read, do you know why, why, why it would be this and why it would be that? And it's a we discuss it with them. Uh-huh. So it's an, another learning tool. <laughs> Was it at all um, perhaps um, inspired between by the friendship between yourself as a Scot and Maggie being English? Well, 
it doesn't really come up really we're just people okay. <laughs> yes <laughs> Well, I didn't I'm know married it. to a Scot, so. Well, okay, no, I, and, and I'm not trying to create family friction here. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I was just curious if, if that was a, a, a point of collaboration, I guess, that there'd be a bit of Scotch, a bit of English um, cool. in there. But I thought it was a brilliant touch. Um, the, <laughs> the other thing, Maggie, that I that I see as a touch of subtlety, and, and I'd be curious to hear the two of you talk about this, is that Tartan Witch is in the illustrations is a ginger now or she is yes scotland of course has the highest percentage of gingers or as we call them in the united states uh, redheads uh, of any nation on earth was that in any was that an intentional part of your illustration did you consciously make her a ginger oh, yes yeah yeah Definitely. tell me yes. tell me how that came about I just I, I just thought it was uh, that ginger haired people need need a little bit of a, a boost because sometimes they get made fun of. But sure, uh, yeah, red hair and freckles. I thought that would be ideal for her. So there you go. <laughs> and, and Greta, this was your character, um, the Tartan Witch. Um, I assume maybe it was a collaboration. Um, so when you started to see the Tartan Witch develop with that characterization, was that something you were in tune with? Oh, yes. Yes. I have a ginger daughter. <laughs> <laughs> does she does she identify as the Tartan Witch? Oh, no. She dyes her hair black. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, oh, goodness. True. Really? <laughs> She'd be proud to be ginger. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and, and you mentioned, too, the end of the story, which I found was a, a very, really a very heartwarming tribute to popular culture uh, in that Tartan Witch gives each of the other witches a, um, a Tartan hat, um, which I took to be a Tam O'Shanter. Um, but you didn't mm -hmm. go in, you did not actually, if I'm recalling correctly, and I have the book here beside me, but I don't remember you putting it that way. You just simply said they gave him a hat. Was there a reason to stay away from that terminology or just? No, I just, I just, when she said tartan hat, that's what came to mind. So okay. I stuck my tammy on. Yes. The appropriate color. Yes. <laughs> There's another opportunity there for another wee bit of learning too. Yeah. The mm. tub shanter. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and, and I noticed, also, that in the choice, not only are the colors, um, the tartans color coordinated to the witches. In other words, red witch receives a red tartan tam uh, purple witch gets a purple one, etc. You didn't just do generic uh, red, yellow, green, blue, purple tartans as I've done for the logo of this podcast under the tartan sky. You actually chose real existing tartans and and you went it appears to me to some length to find some rather unique ones this isn't just your you didn't just pick royal stewart for example for the for the red tartan um you you actually found some that that i thought were a bit out there um how did that come about why did you go to such extent to find matching tartans like that well i wanted i wanted authenticity in the story as well as it being a fun story i wanted it to be authentic tartans and I was certainly challenged with some of them, but I didn't want to have the Royal Stuart and the, the well-known ones and an education, an educational tool again. It's, it's a teaching process, isn't it? And I actually was born in Dunoon and my father was Irish. I didn't know there was a Dunoon Irish tartan, so I had a learning curve as well. 
Also, you have to be very careful using tartans. We had to get permissions to use the tartan. Uh, otherwise, we might have been sued, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> well, that's yes, a good... we had to go. We had to go to the registry of of tartans and ask them if it was all right to use them in the book, and they gave us their blessing. So we're promoting tartan as well as we're promoting the Scots language. Well, I'm glad to know that, and I'm glad now that I did generic tartans on my podcast logo. I wouldn't want to be getting sued for using <laughs> for using uh, someone's tartan. Um, and, and the final scene in the in the book, if you will, is uh, all of the witches gathering together with their their new tartan tam o' shanters, um, and and taking a selfie, complete with selfie stick. How modern day is that? <laughs> Had to be done. Had to be, absolutely, because everyone's doing it, aren't they? I guess that's sort of, that's the, the today version of and they all lived happily ever after, I suppose. I think that's <laughs> yeah. right, yes. This could be a whole new ending. Don't, don't we look bra? <laughs> yes, yes, in the book, don't we look bra? And bra, of course, I, is a Scots word I know for meaning beautiful, lovely. Um, yeah. My favorite word, I guess, that I've adopted since I've started uh, spending so much time thinking about Scotland is brilliant. Everything to me now is brilliant. I've got to find a new word. <laughs> well, it's great. It, well, I, I wonder, we wonder, too, if the, the children realize that Actually, at the end of the story, the witches are speaking in Scots language. So it's crossed the board. It's crossed the boundaries. Yes, it has, isn't it? Well, now, now, see, I hadn't even thought of that. That's that's yeah. that's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they they actually they are when they all say, you know, don't we look bra? They're all speaking yeah, Scots. Yeah, and whip tat and witchy and offy blather. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's incredible. Uh, both of you obviously are educators. Both of you are writers, um, and you both obviously publish in the children's genre. Um, is it important that children's books today? Um, we, you've touched several times on the fact that Tartan Witch and Witch Hitch originally were educational tools as much as they are uh, just reading entertainment. Is that important? You think that a ch good children's book have an educational message as well as an entertaining one? I think most children's books do have an educational element in it. It's maybe not obvious, but I think mm. they always do. And I think if learning can be made fun, I'm all for it. Absolutely. I, I think mo a lot of learning goes on in story time that people and children don't realise that they're picking up. Uh, it may be that some children don't get read to as much at home, but they can enjoy the same interaction uh, when you're discussing the book or choosing which picture you like or which bit of the story you like best or counting things up or joining in with the repetitions. It's all educational, but it's not forced down your throat. It's uh, it's done in a nice way. And I want to talk a bit about the element of the writing club. You both mentioned you're members of the AIR Writing Club. And by the way, mm -hmm. my, my ancestors are from um, Ayrshire, uh, as a matter of fact. So oh, yeah. we share a little bit in common there, I suppose. How important has the role of the Writers Club and your involvement in it been in the progression for each of you uh, into becoming writers? Because neither of you, I don't believe, set out in life growing up saying, you know, one day I'm going to write the great Scottish novel um, or the great Scottish children's book. Um, it, it's something that, that obviously you've come on to uh, after other adventures in life. Um, how important has the Writers Club been in that development and, and 
how important does it continue to be in your future development? Well, it's been extremely important because as we meet every week and one week in the month we'll have a, a, to- a speaker who comes and talks to us about something and then we have competitions and we also have feedback nights, which are super where we take a piece of work that we've done and we take it anonymously and put it around groups and we get feedback and it's always positive feedback that uh, we get and Air Writers Club, I have to say, when we go to the Scottish Association of Writers <laughs> Conference, Air Writers Club tends to kind of clean the boards. They will be getting banned one of these years, I think. <laughs> but we're very, I think we're very successful because we are so encouraging of each other and yes, and that's right. Evaluating. Mm. Do you agree? I think so. Yeah. Yes, we. Uh, it isn't just a you know the feedback night. It's not just sort of a mutual back patting session yeah. we do uh a good a couple of good points that you like and then you think well i wish you'd just you know done something so you're giving some guidance but you need to uh, encourage first and point out things that might be changed secondly mm-hmm. <laughs> and greta you have some inspiration i suppose and, and and got some very early on with a name that some folks will recognize, surely. And that was uh, you were encouraged to join the Writers Club by a lady that has a little bit of success um, in, uh-huh. in the literary and film world. Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson, yeah. How did that come about? And, and how significant was that in your development to becoming a writer? Well, um, I, my, my mother was friendly with Emma Thompson's mother, and when I was starting to write, I I wanted to write, but I didn't know how to go about it. And I think it was poetry I was doing, and I sent some poems to Emma's mum, and uh, I said to her, what should I do? And she came back, and she said, Emma says, you should join a writing club. And I thought, well, there you go. I've, and I <laughs> found out about Air Writers Club, and the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> And Maggie, in your case, um, yes. you're a painter, you mm-hmm. are a writer, um, you're now an illustrator as well. Have yes. have any one of those taken the forefront as this is what I really, really want to pursue? Or, or how do you balance uh, the, and the decision between am I going to illustrate, am I going to write? Is that ever a, a conflict within you? Uh, well, yes, it is a little bit because illustration takes a fair amount of time. Uh, and I'm illustrating for other people as well as for my own books. So, you know, that's quite, quite demanding on time, plus all the other things that you do in life as well. So, um, yeah, sometimes, yes, it, uh, it is a bit of a conflict, but, um, I don't know. I, I always like to have a few things going on at the same time. I'm a bit of a grasshopper in that respect. I don't pursue one thing to the end. I like to have a few options going. So that suits quite well, I think. And Greta, do you have other activities uh, beyond writing that keep you occupied at times? Well, yes, family. Family (laughs) tends to keep me pretty well occupied. And we are, Maggie and I are also members of a group called Literate, who, and we are eight lady writers, and we have four books out just now. We have four collaborative books out just Anthologies now. Anthologies of poetry and short stories. Poetry and short stories, There's yes. One of children's stories. So between one thing and another, life is not dull. <laughs> <laughs> 
doesn't sound like it. Um, I guess then to wrap things up, the, the, the key question is you now have this, uh, coven, if you will, of characters, uh, of your, uh, your colorful witches and uh, now including, uh, Tartan Witch. Is there a future book in development? Is there perhaps a series of stories? Uh, I mean, is this, uh, will we someday be talking with, with Greta, um, the way people now talk uh, about the Harry Potter books is, is the, Tartan, <laughs> the Tartan Witch and this coven of colorful witches, um, perhaps the next superstar, superstars of tomorrow, maybe? Oh, you just never know. It depends. It depends how successful Tartan Witch is, but there, we d- I definitely have one or two ideas where we could uh, develop Tartan Witch and the other witches as well. There's a wee, mm-hmm. there's a wee seed in there. Yeah, I think uh, there's more to come, definitely. Well, if there are future adventures of Tartan Witch and uh, her coven of rainbow-colored witches, um, will that guarantee future collaboration between the two of you? I I suppose, um, Greta, if you have literary success, then that would presumably entail uh, illustrative success for Maggie. That's right, absolutely, yes. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Mm-hmm. But we uh, we pursue other things as well. And Greta writes other things. She writes, as you mentioned, poetry. And uh, I have other picture books on the go, and also children's novels on the go. But I think our collaboration is going to continue for sure. And does it make does the collaboration work easier? Because your friends, I've talked with authors who have used illustrators that that they did not know personally, uh, but they they admired their work, for example, and and chose them to illustrate their book. Um, does the fact that the two of you know each other and have this association has that made working together easier, or in some cases more difficult? Oh, I think it's easier for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think it's much easier because we can tell each other exactly what we, <laughs> we think. don't hold back. No. <laughs> You can be honest with your friends. Yes. <laughs> Indeed, honesty is most often the best policy, whether between friends, witches, or people who speak different languages. To appreciate the educational functionality and the beautiful illustrations of the Tartan Witch, you'll find a few pages of the book included in our blog post for this episode. That's at our website, www.underthetartansky.scot. Along with links, of course, to where the book can be purchased and where to learn more about the Scots language. For those with an interest in Scots, you might also want to revisit our earlier podcast episode on Speaking Scots and the Concise Scots Language Dictionary, when my guest was Pauline Spital, the senior editor at the Scottish Language Dictionaries. A link for that episode will also be in the blog post on our website. Next time, my guest is David Weinzock of Edinburgh, known as the Castle Hunter, and we'll be chatting about, well, Scottish castles, their construction, history, and restoration. We'll also get his answer to the question, what castle must I see when in Scotland? We'll also discuss a favorite topic of his, Scotland's role in Game of Thrones. It's all a part of 2017 being the year of history, heritage, and archaeology in Scotland. Until then, I'm Glenn Moyer, Tabalev, Agus Alapuk Gabra. Under the Tartan Sky is a production of Glen L. Moyer Creative Communications. For show notes and more information on this and all Under the Tartan Sky episodes, please visit our website at www.underthetartansky.scot. 
And while you're there, check out our online shop where you can buy exclusive Under the Tartan Sky logo apparel and other items. Have an idea for a future episode? Well, get in touch via email at info at underthetartansky.scot. Visit and like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, where our username is at underscore Tartan Sky. That's the underscore symbol, Tartan Sky. And thank you for listening. <laughs>